Well, good morning, church. If you want to open with me to Hebrews chapter 11, we kicked off our series, Feed Your Faith and Starve Your Fears, last week. And so we're in part two. And so if you need a handout, would you go ahead and shoot your hand up, uh, keep, it, keep it lifted high. And as we are taking notes, I, I hope that you're jotting down some things that you can be chewing on and meditating on all week long and to be able to consider how can I feed my faith? How can I choke out and starve my fears? Is, it, is anybody uh, maybe this morning walking in and just sensing uh, everywhere around us is just constant fear mongering and another thing that we need to be obsessing about and, and scared of and anxiety on the rise and for us as the church to be able to respond in such a way that we say, uh, either I am going to grow those fears or I'm going to grow my faith, but whatever I feed is going to grow. Do we, do we recognize that? And so I don't know what your daily routines are, but we have a brand new year, 2022. And so if you have not uh, heard it enough, happy new year. We're, we're still in the beginning stages, so we can milk this baby for, for a while. But with a new year comes uh, a newness of perspective, maybe new habits. Maybe as you think about uh, New Year's resolutions, maybe one of the commitments is that I am going to be in the Word, growing my faith every single day. I'm going to rally people around me to encourage me and hold me accountable and so I would encourage you to consider that as we go through Hebrews 11, this is a season for us to grow our faith. And so last week, just in way of, of review, we looked at three men, okay? I don't know if you, if you remember, uh, Hebrews 11 kicks off with story of uh, referring to Cain and Abel. Abel, a man of worship, worshiped his God. We looked at Enoch. And, and a man that walked with God. And guess what? He didn't even die. He was just taken up. That, that's pretty awesome. Everybody say that's awesome. I mean, that's pretty incredible. And then we also have uh, uh, another man uh, that as we think about worshiping God and, and walking with God, uh, that we had a man, anybody remember, who worked for not just a few years by faith on a certain boat. Any, anybody remember? got Noah. Do you know how long? I don't even know if you mentioned it last week. Noah had never seen a cloud, had never seen rain, had never seen a river, a creek, a brook, an ocean, a lake, and he spent 120 years of his life building the ark. Uh, everybody say that's faith. Uh, by faith, by faith, right? So each of these guys got like one or two verses, okay, max. Do you know what we're looking at today? We're going to be looking at Hebrews 11, 8 through 19, 11 whopping verses for a, a man of the faith that every single believer and every single even Jew to this day looks back to and says, that is our father of the faith, Abraham, Abraham. So if Abraham gets 11 verses, I, I bet you there's some things that we need to draw from that, and we need to consider why is Abraham such a massive figure in our faith and part of our history. Well, as we look at a lifestyle of faith, there's nobody that we can turn to 
uh, to expect to grow in our faith more than to look at the legacy, and that's what we're titling today, faith legacy. I don't know what your legacy is going to be, but thousands of years later, Abraham is still being spoken of and highly regarded as not just a man of faith, but the man of faith. Faith legacy. And I wonder, who is the most faith-filled person that you know? Before we jump into Abraham and looking at his faith, I wonder if you would just ask yourself, who do I know? Who in my life? Maybe it's, it's somebody growing up. Maybe they're, they're still with us. Maybe they have passed. But who is the person that you have been able to watch firsthand and go, they have so much faith. They live by faith. Like, if there's anybody that I know that, that, that walks the talk, it's them. Who, who is that? Just for you to answer that in your, own, in your own mind and to think, for us, we could be that person that comes to mind when other people are asked that question. I mean, think about that. What is your legacy going to be? Is it going to be a faith legacy? And so as we look at Abraham, his legacy was faith, faith. Let's do this, let's do this. If we look at Abraham and we consider who is this, this man, we're going to take a look at passages in Genesis where we find the original story of, of Abraham. So just be ready. If you've got a ribbon or you just got your, your finger in there, or you got your device that you're able to flip back and forth, we're going to be going from uh, Hebrews to, to Genesis a little bit this morning. We have, number one, as we're taking notes, we have in verse 8 here, faith embraces God in the unknown over security in the known. Faith embraces God in the unknown over security in the, the known. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And guess what he did? <laughs> what does it say? And he went out. He went out. But not only that, he went out not knowing where he was going. Should I repeat that? He went out, he obeyed, not knowing where he was going. And as we think about <clears throat> Genesis chapter 12, where we see uh, in Genesis that I now, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, if, if you recall the story of Abraham, and your kindred, and your father's house, to the land that I will, everybody say will, I will show you, I will, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And I will, I love it, like guarantees, right? Here's the promises, I will, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse, and in you, all the families of the earth, all, does that include you? You bet. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went, as the Lord had told him, to a land that he did not know. He didn't know where he was going. He didn't know if he was going to make it. He knew that God said a whole lot of wills. He made a lot of guarantees, and so he, he went. This is incredible. I mean, think about this. That he is a, not just a man of faith, not just one of many, but Galatians 3.9, if you're jotting down addresses, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, what does it say? The man 
the man of faith. He's not just a man of faith. He's, he's the man. He's the man. Everybody say he's the man. He, he's it. He's the one for thousands of years we've all been looking back to, and it's like, where did this all start? Where did the idea of God's people start? Where did really uh, the origins of the idea of the church start? It started in, in Abraham. In Genesis 15, 6, Abraham believed the Lord. He believed the Lord, and he counted it to him. God counted it to him as righteousness. So why, why was Abraham so awesome? Why was he such a righteous man? Because he believed. He took God at his word. And so are you in a maybe a mega faith season right now where maybe you have a handful of God's promises and you kind of know what the word says and you know that God's committed to you and that he's for you, but you're in a season where you're like, it's one thing to know it, right? It's one thing to say with my mouth, I believe God. It's another thing to live by faith in this, whatever your circumstances are. And maybe, maybe for you, you're in the thick of it going, God, how do I trust you with this thing, with this situation, with this person, with this unknown future, with this kind of past? And I don't know what 2021 was like for you, but for many of us, it's like, I'm having a hard time taking the next steps into the new year after a year that I've just been through. God, how do I live by faith right now? right? When it's the hardest, when it's the darkest. And, and if this is not your darkest season, here's some of the bad news. Uh, if it's not hard now, get ready, right? Because if you're not coming out of it and you're not in it, it's coming up ahead, right? None of us are free from these kinds of tests, these kinds of calls to trust God. And I, I, I just jotted down, and what do you do when when your heart's just crying out, I don't know where to go, and I don't know where I'm going, and God, I don't see it, and I, I don't know what you're doing, God. And then I just wrote down, but, but, everybody say but, but I will follow, but I will follow. Less of, I need to know the details, God, I need certainty. Less of that, down with that, and more of, God, I'm going. Less of the knowing, less of all of the, the details figured out, and more of the, I will start to go, and I'll do it. I'll do it scared. I'll do it. I'll trust you, even if I don't know where I'm going. Abraham, <laughs> I mean, consider this. Abraham was a pagan, godless pagan. Guess what his heritage was? A whole bunch of godless pagans. Guess what kind of godly, righteous examples Abraham had? Had anybody ever walked closely with God? Before, well, we got the first two chapters of the Bible, okay? Since Genesis 3, there's not a whole lot of a lineage of a people consistently, a lot of models and mentors. Think about it. Abraham is coming from a place of, I don't have anybody to follow. God, I'm trusting you to take me to an unknown place, and I have nobody to follow in, in, their, in their footprints. Like, I'm the first. I mean, you think you're walking by faith. Consider the reality of he had nobody, right? He was looking ahead, and there was a lot of nothing. But he had God's truth, God's promises, and he took God at his word. He was all alone, no example, uncertain future, by faith, by faith. Everybody say, by faith. By faith, Abraham went. So here's a question. Have you been 
living a lifestyle of demanding that God give you all the pieces to the puzzle? Have you been telling God, God, I'll start getting serious and I'll start moving forward and I'll be all in, fully committed to my faith when you kind of like show me the first like 18 steps, the first chunk of, of this journey? I mean, if you put it all together for me and just, and just really show me and, and provide me with confidence that like this is going to work out, I'll follow you. God, God doesn't do that. God's saying, uh, start moving. Start moving. Continue in the way that I've called you to, even if you don't see it. Even if you don't see it. I want to be where God wants me to be, so I'm willing to get going. And I don't know if you have this in your notes, but God moves moving people. Do you believe that? Like God moves moving people. People that are saying, God I have a little bit to go off of. You have spoken in your word, and I'm going to grab hold of the truths that I know, the little bit of light that you're shining on my path, and I'm going to take the first steps. And as I'm moving by faith, you are going to steer. You are going to guide me. But God moves moving people, right? And so if you're in a place, if you find yourself in a place where your heels are dug in, and you're like, okay, God, show me. Show me that you're trustworthy. Show me that that this is going to work out and this is the best plan for me, and, and then I'll start moving towards it. It's a bad plan. It's a bad plan. Number two, faith patiently. Ooh, ooh. Everybody say patiently. Oh, faith patiently waits for a better future. Look at verse 9. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents, with Isaac and Jacob. That, that was his future, right? Heirs with him of the same promise. The whole family is impacted because God moves, moving people, and he started. But how long did it take? Patience, patience. He patiently waited. He didn't see it. And what's the description here? And they're, they're, they're in foreign lands. Uh, they they don't speak the language. They don't know the customs. They're living where? They're living in tents along the way. I mean, consider that. Always camping. Some of you are like super excited about that. Like rock on. Like I, I can live that life, right? Always camping. Endless moving. U-Haul after U-Haul. Never a permanent home. Living out of boxes. Never a single picture hung on the wall, right? Uh, no sense in gathering any kind of cool pinterest ideas because you can't execute on that right you don't have a home you won't have a home living by faith really homeless patience feels unbearable at times doesn't it waiting on god feels like you're going to go insane but god loves what happens when you wait God loves what happens when you wait. Because God's people are molded and shaped in a certain way that only patiently waiting on God can do. Only waiting on God can accomplish the character that he's developing in his people. And as I, as I talk to my kids about character, oftentimes it's like, uh, how about like less character and like more toys, right? How about less character uh, and, and more fun. And hopefully as we get older, we realize 
There's something really powerful about not getting what I want when I want it and waiting patiently and coming to a place of God's changing my heart. He's changing my desires. He's changing me in the waiting. But it feels like I'm doing nothing. Like, God, tell me what to do. Show me what to do. Guess what? Almost always the answer is waiting. Waiting is the work. Waiting on God is the work because it's in the waiting we are changing. And that's what he did with Abraham. Abraham didn't come prepackaged as a righteous man. He wasn't living a godly life, but in the waiting, he was molded. God chiseled the old him away. Verse 10. For he was, what was he doing? He was able to wait patiently. He was able to embrace that there was a better future because there's a promise. Verse 10, he was looking forward to the city that was promised to him, the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. I don't know if you're, uh, you're like my son at all, but every time I, I find Asher on, on the iPad, sometimes he's watching football. The other times, he's on Zillow. I'm like, what are you doing? He's looking at the most expensive houses in the nation, and he's like wa- doing tours and walking through and like mom dad when are we going to get uh, a bathtub like that and when are we get when am i going to get a bedroom like that and i'm like how much are the it's only 11.8 million dollars and i'm like right on bro i don't know what your future career is but good luck with that but think about the designer and builder is is god god is building something and it's better than even our our dream homes and our dream future if we would believe it, if we would believe it, we have such a hard time waiting, such a hard time believing that what God has is, it's better. So where is your focus? Because the things that you're locked in on, the things that you are looking towards, those are the things that are going to lead your footsteps. Those, those things lead you to a future. And is it a future? Living by faith, pursuing your God. Acts 7.5 emphasizes again, Uh, Abraham, yet God gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot's length, but promised to give it to him as a possession and to his offspring, though he had no child. He's like, you're not even getting a little bit, not even a hint, living by faith with, like, can can you throw me a bone here? Like, nothing, right? There's nothing to go off of other than God's word, God's promise. And he didn't even have a kid. And he's promised what? Nations? Nations, really? And so I I, I jotted down, don't rob yourself of embracing patience. Waiting makes you the man, makes you the woman of God. The, The patience, the endurance through. So I don't know what you're going through right now, but for you to be able to preach to yourself every day, this is this is the work. This is part of the plan. This is the way forward is. I'm not demanding it now, and I I need to have it, and I I won't be happy until, and instead, open-handed, God, whatever you want for me. And for some of us, it's either a person, it's a thing, it's a future, it's an accomplishment. And Don't rob yourself of embracing seasons of patience. James 1.4, let steadfastness, let constant perseverance have its full effect what's the point what's the point james tells us that you would be perfect and complete lacking nothing anybody want that like the only way to be 
full and complete, fully human, fully heart after God is steadfast. Keep going, even when I don't see it, when I don't feel it. The future God has for you, though, requires you to let go of your past. And I don't know if you've walked in this morning and the things that are constantly on your mind are things of, well, last year I had and last year I experienced and, man, the last time I remember being happy and I was so fulfilled and now it's gone and, and I want to go back to those days and I want to go back to that relationship or that place, that location. And looking in the rear view, moving forward, you're ending up in the ditch, not on the road of faith, not building momentum. You're not on the on-ramp. You're in an accident because the future that God has for you requires you to let go of the past. Embrace what he has. New year, new mercies, new encounters of the living God. New faith, fresh faith. But you must, here's the, the word, right? You must wait. You must wait. You must wait. You must wait. How about this? Number three, if you're taking notes, faith rests in God's power. Faith rests in God's power to fulfill his promises. Faith rests. It rests in God's power to fulfill his promises. Verse 11, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive. By faith, power to conceive. Even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Her eyes were on her God. Verse 12, therefore from one man, and him as good as dead. Wow, how would you like that to be written about you? I mean, that guy was as good as dead. We're born descendants as many as the stars of heaven. As many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Everybody say that's a lot. Yeah, it, it, that's a lot. That's a lot. And, and what's the story? We have Genesis 17. Uh, if you want to do a, a flashback, if you remember the story that when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham, or Abram at the time, and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me, be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you, and may multiply you greatly. God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, in verse 15, as for Sarai, your wife, this is before she was Sarah, you shall not call her name Sarai. It's going to change, but Sarah shall be her name. Why? Because when God shows up and God does a work, names change. It's pretty powerful. Verse 16, I will bless her and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her. She shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. And then Abraham fell on his face and he just laughed. Like, really? I, did you get the wrong address, God? Like, are you talking? Like, you got the right couple? There's a, there's a young couple, right, in the next town over. We're, we're near dead. Here's the promise that he receives. How does he respond? Laughs. And she, and, and uh, sorry, and he said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? I mean, it, some of us that know the, the story, it's like, this is insane. This is insane, right? Because this isn't just a, a cute Sunday school lesson. This is history. This actually happened. This is the reality of what God does. 
those that live by faith. And so I just jotted down a question for myself this past week of what am I doubting? What am I doubting that I don't think God's big enough, that I don't think God's interested enough, that there's something too big or too hard? God, I know you can do anything, but, but there's this area that I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure you're, you're big enough to do. I, I don't think you're close enough to really hear the cries of my heart. I've waited so long and it's still not here. It's probably not going to come. I don't know what that is for you, but are you here this morning with some major doubts of, God, I've watched you work in certain areas of my life, but like there's this one area that, man, I, I don't know if you're not interested, you're not powerful enough, where there's doubt, where there's doubt. Well, guess what? God met Abraham and Sarah where they were at with their doubts, right? With their laughter of God's promises. And that's what God does. He meets us right where we are. And I just, I, I have this imagery, which is kind of creepy, right? I don't know if, if you would ever imagine like your, your grandmother, great-grandmother, I, I don't know if you have anybody in your family that's, that's 100 years old, but thinking about like, they, they were on life support, they were on hospice, and instead, this past Christmas, they showed up at the house and said, hey, everybody, sit down, got some news, got, got some updates, that's right, we're expecting, what, 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 really? So, not only is that uh, funny in our day, but just think about, like, throughout all of history, this doesn't happen, but when God shows up, it does, Right? When God shows up, these things happen. Faith trusts God to do what is humanly impossible. Faith trusts God to do what is humanly impossible. God's power, not mine. God's timing, not mine. Even things that you would laugh at if you, if you knew. Some of you know my story, and the fact that I am still alive is pretty amazing, but the fact that I'm a, I'm a pastor, like, I wake up certain mornings, let's be honest, and and laugh a little bit of like really really like is it is this really my my life god did you really do this like this is kind of hard to believe it's a little hard to believe because like i know where i came from i know what i was doing uh, all growing up i know what i was doing throughout my teenage years i know where i was at at 21 years old like this is insane this is crazy and so how powerful is it for us to look back and go God has done things in my life. I just, I would never imagine. And as we look forward, regardless of how many years you have left, that we would consider, God, you're going to do things in my life that if I was told today, I just, I would laugh. I just wouldn't believe it. Like, there's no way. And it's amazing. Living by faith, watching God break through every barrier, every circumstance to be able to accomplish his will more of that right that we would be god's people fired up about i want more of that in my life i want more of that in our church of the impossible and faith trust that god can do what is humanly impossible number four faith lives for forever faith lives for forever rather than for now we're pretty fired up about living for what lasts forever not the immediate gratification not right now not i want it God's people live by, by faith. This is what we do. Faith lives for forever. Verse 13. These all died in faith, 
not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, from a distance, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are they're seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But, everybody say but, verse 16, here we go. But as it is, huh, they desire a better country. Do you? They desire something better. They want something more. They're not looking back. They're looking forward. That is, it's a heavenly one, not the retirement home. We're talking an eternal home, a better country. Therefore, I love this. This is so awesome. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. I mean, think about Abraham and his descendants, and for all of those years, they're, they're traveling, they're, they're vagabonds, right? They're wanderers, right? They're, they're exiles, they're, they're sent out from what was familiar, and they are uh, adventuring in a way that they long for the promise, and they're able to endure by faith because the promise of God of not something here and now but something there and then was so crystal clear in their mind, they could taste it. I'm made for heaven. I'm made for my eternal home. How awesome is that? When no matter what's around, right? No matter what you have or don't have. No matter what anybody else has or doesn't have. No matter your greatest struggles, right? Going through seasons of, God, how are you going to provide here? Or God, how are you going to that you would have a vivid imagination sanctified by the Holy Spirit that in your mind you would be like, I see it, I taste it, I'm almost home. This isn't my home, this isn't my home, this isn't my home, not home yet, I'm not there yet, I'm not building my kingdom here, I'm not living for the here and now, I'm living for forever. And I don't know about you, but that doesn't come naturally, does it? Nobody stumbles across a longing for heaven. It's cultivated. It's developed over time. Do you know how that happens? Every day, I'm getting snapshots, glimpses of what's to come. I'm meditating and longing for, if this is true and this is my future, I want to taste it. I, 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 I want to long for it. I want to be so dissatisfied with all this empty garbage, all the horizontal letdowns, right? All the disappointments. It never satisfies never satisfies and that god is giving us substance remember we talked about faith is not a blind leap it's not a, i hope so it's substance i can grab hold of it and it's enough to cultivate a heart for what lasts forever and we see abraham and his early family they, they never saw it they never even saw so much of what was promised but they knew it was coming and they knew someday that it would be fulfilled in part on earth, completely in heaven. Your best life, not for now, always for later. So does your heart beat with, I'm waiting for something better. I'm waiting for something better. I'm waiting for something better. It's not here. C.S. Lewis famously said, if, if, if your heart longs for something that cannot be satisfied here on earth, the only explanation is that you were made for another world. 
Does that ring true? There's longings in our heart, and for some reason, it's not satisfied here. It's never fulfilled, and it's because you were designed that way. There is a holy disappointment. There's a holy emptiness. There's a holy longing inside your heart that I know I have an appetite for something that is supposed to satisfy, and God's not playing games. He put it there because he put eternity in your heart, a longing for forever, a longing for something that lasts. You were made for heaven. Abraham knew this wasn't his home, his whole family traveling, camping permanently. Philippians 3.20, I, I, I love, we were able to go through this last year. Our citizenship is in, it's in heaven. We're citizens of another country, a heavenly one. And, and from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are waiting for our home. So feed your faith and starve your fears. And we feed our faith by remembering, I'm not made for this world. I'm made for another. The longings of my heart will be fulfilled, but not here and now. And God's giving me new wants, new desires. Here we go. Let's go back to verse 16 and just finish this off. I just want to make this point. I love, I love this emphasis. God says, I am your God, right? Do you see that there? I just, I think that is so awesome that this is God's heart. God is not ashamed to be called their God. Those that live by faith, right? For he has prepared for them a city. Not, not ashamed. God's saying, I'm not ashamed. Those that live by faith, I mean, can you just hear it? Can you hear God say, I'm not ashamed of you. Uh, I, I'm excited to be associated with you, for you to be in the family. You living by faith, I love that you're part of the family. I embrace you. I love it. I, I just shut it down. I want to hear, I am your God. I am your God. The God, not just of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but man, I'm your God the God of John Feek. I'm not ashamed to be called your God. I mean, just every day, if we would put our name in there and be able to like preach that to ourselves, to say, God, this is your heart over me. You're not ashamed to be my God as I walk by, by faith. And here we go, number five. Everybody say, land the plane. Here we go. Faith obeys. What does faith do? What does faith do? Faith obeys even when command and promise. Command and promise. If you're taking notes, command and promise seem to clash. What do we mean by that? Well, let's find out. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act. He was in the act. Do you remember this? Maybe you're familiar with this. He was in the act of offering up his only son, the son of promise. Like, there is a promise that God makes. I'm going to make you a great nation. How many sons? One. What am I supposed to do with them? Kill them. What happens when God calls us to do things? He commands us to do things that seem contrary. It seems to clash his promises. God, if you want me to be happy, why would you tell me to get rid of something? God, I thought you wanted me to be fulfilled, and this thing fulfills me, so why would you take it away? God, I loved this person, and if you really loved me, and you promised to satisfy me, why would you remove them from my life? What happens when God's command and God's promise, his will and his ways seem to contradict? What do we do? What did Abraham do? When he was tested? Of course I'm going to obey my God. Verse 18, 
of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered, <laughs> what, what was Abraham's response? Kill the son that guarantees a future. Your commandment is clashing with your promise for the future. What do I do? Maybe follow suit. What did Abraham do? He considered that God was able even to raise him, Isaac, his son, from the dead. From which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. I mean, think about that. That faith looks at circumstances and doesn't compromise, doesn't say, well, God, I'm pretty fired up about your will being done and I'm pretty sure that this is your will. And even though you're kind of putting a roadblock and, and you're making this something that I, I need to actually reject and put away and put off or you're taking this thing away, then you have the power to even raise people from the dead to fulfill and accomplish your purposes. I don't know if a week has gone by in the past 17 years that I haven't had a conversation with a young lady about a young guy that she likes. And every single week that I have conversations with somebody that I say, does he love Jesus? Because God commands you to find somebody that is a believer. Twice in Scripture, it says, do not be unequally yoked and only marry in the Lord. 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And every single time. But like, I'm pretty sure this is God's will and I know that I might be sinning to get him, but I'm willing to do it because, I mean, God promised that he's going to like, provide for me right he's going to give me uh, the person that, that that fills my my heart and meets my needs and like clearly it's this guy what happens when you're confronted with God's command versus your passion to have God supply the promise to you are you willing to sin to get what you want Abraham was willing to kill his son because he believed that God was going to fulfill his promise. And I don't know if we've been in seasons where we're like, this is my only chance, this is the, the only opportunity I have. If, if, I let it, if I wait any longer, then it's going to pass me by. Do you believe that even if you screwed up royally and the opportunity that was in front of you, that you let it go by, that, do you think God's big enough to, to bring something better, to bring something in the future, to bring something around? Do you believe that? Because aren't we tested in those moments of, am I going to live by faith? Am I going to believe that if it's not this, or it's not that, or it's not him, or it's not her, or it's not that place or that thing, if it's not what I expect and want right now, if God's calling me to say no and obey him, he's going to bring something better. Do we believe it? Whatever that better is, I leave it up to God because God has all power. He's got all power. If I say no to this, believe that God will say yes in his time. He will. He will. Feed your faith. Starve your fears. Anxiety cannot lead you to obedience. Fear, anxiety, and worry constantly leads to disobedience. Trusting in my timing, my will, my way. And then I have to live with the consequences. Are you ready to break the, the cycle? For some of us, we have a pattern of, I got ahead of God, and I, I thought I knew better. And I, I kind of knew in the back of my head that God was saying, nope, nope, not, not this, not now. And I'm like, yeah, but I really, 
I want it. I have to have it. And then all of a sudden, I live with the consequences. How many times are we going to go through that where we say, God, I'm going to break the cycle and I'm going to choose to trust you from the beginning, not in regret afterwards. I want to live by faith, by faith. God's timing is better than yours. Believe it, believe it, right? God's timing is better than mine. As we stand, let's pray.